welcome, adventurers. In a cosmos created by a mysterious entity called The Voice, galaxies fight for dominance and survival. Resilience, tickets to 12 burn. Kaiba Astilius and the crew of the Resilience are sent to the farthest reaches of the galaxies to recover the stellar gates and to find lost allies. I offer you immortality, adventurers. Kaivar, it's all of them, all the Vidor, their entire fleet. Fire. In this galactic race across the cosmos and fight for survival, Kaivar and his crew will come to understand more about themselves and the mysterious power that guides and works all things for good. Resilience Awakening. Set to release June 20th, 2021. Find it on Amazon. This is the first of many intros of a book that's set to publish near the end of this month. Um, it's a Christian sci-fi allegory that we've put together, a full-length um, Christian fiction novel. Um, I think if you like the podcast, I think you'll like this book. Uh, there'll be a whole lot more um, coming out in the next few weeks as we launch this book. Um, we'll even do a podcast special where you kind of go over um, what the story is and um, what it's really all about and the, the story behind the story. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 265, The Death of Herod and the Return of Jesus from Egypt. After killing two of his sons, Herod suspects his eldest son, Antipater, of conspiring against him. He imprisons him and threatens to kill him and comes up with false witnesses and evidence which convinces him of a true conspiracy against him. All the while, his disease is eating him alive, and at one point, he falls into a chill and nearly dies. He calls for a meal and tries to kill himself with the dinner knife that he receives, but his, you know, his servants kind of help bring him back, and they keep him from more harm upon himself. He goes to Jericho, nearly dies there, um, and he kind of re he revives, um, you know, some say it was the healing waters at Jericho. Um, who knows what the reason was? Um, but he hurries up and orders the death of Antipater, which occurs. And when Augustus learns of Herod's crimes in Bethlehem and the murder of his son, he says it's better to be Herod's pig than his son. And as Herod gets sicker, and it's well known that he'll not survive the sickness, a rebellion breaks out in Jerusalem and the rest of Judea. Uh, the rebellion's typical, it really is. It's the nature of things. When oppression occurs, rebellions follow. In the case of Judea here, they're oppressed and overtaxed. The oppression of Herod will now be revealed in an explosive rebellion that carries over even after his death. Unsuccessful, yet extremely violent. It shows who is really running the priesthood in Jerusalem as well. And when Judas, son of Seraphias, and Matthias, 
the high priest, learned Herod's sickness is incurable. They persuade some young men to pull down the golden eagle that Herod has erected over the largest gate of the temple. And it was done at noonday and watched by many in the populace. Forty men were arrested. Matthias lost his position as high priest, and it was given to Zoazar, the brother of his wife, Merami. Then Herod burns alive the other men, 40 in total, who were caught in the act. So we have to stop and consider, you know, what's happened here. I mean, the high priest position is pretty much political. It was chosen by a worldly ruler whose purpose was to appease the people and to do his will. Man's will, not God's will. Now fast forward. You think Caiaphas, the high priest at the time of Jesus, was a man of God? No, he wasn't. He was a political appointment. He was a priest in name only, a student of the scriptures, sure, raised in the traditions, yes, but appointed by men for his political and religious ability. So later when it says crazy things like the Pharisees were plotting to kill Jesus because he healed someone on the Sabbath, it honestly has nothing to do with the healing on the Sabbath. It has everything to do with their justification. Yes, there was traditions, religion, and power, but Jesus' presence was a loss of power to them. It was a true threat to them. This is why they wanted to kill him. We'll find the religious and political reasons, their justifications and power bases, are the ones that actually later will lead to Jesus' death. Well, Herod's health starts to fail more and more. He orders his nobles assembled at the Hippodrome in Jericho. They were to be murdered upon his death, for there should be mourning when he died. Isn't that wicked? He was afraid no one would mourn for him, so he was going to create a true reason to mourn. When he eventually died, his family dismisses the nobles. They don't actually tell him that what, what the orders were, um, and they dismiss them. Um, and then Herod has this funeral procession that is just massive. His body was carried from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he was carried on a golden casket covered in jewels and purple cloth. His family followed with 500 servants carrying perfumes. Herod's inheritance was going to be split between three people, but the bulk of it was going to go to Herod Archelaus, another one of his sons, for he was crowned in Jerusalem. But the friends of the rebels who were burned alive for the golden eagle incident, they arose in anger. They demanded Joazar to be removed from the priesthood. Archelaus wanted to negotiate, but it didn't go anywhere. And it was Passover, and then violence broke out in the temple courtyard. I mean, this is just right after Herod's death. To quell the rebellion in Jerusalem, Archelaus sends in the army, and 3,000 were slain by cavalry around the temple. The remaining rebels fled to the mountains. After this, Archelaus went to Rome to confirm his appointment as king with Caesar. Herod Antipas and his other brothers followed. Um, They were going to actually jockey for position with Caesar and try to get more land from Caesar. The absence of the, uh, the heirs of Herod from Israel uh, invited three other rebellions. This time the Romans were to face them, all at the same time as ruthless Romans even came in to steal from Herod's treasuries. Sabinus, Caesar's agent, took control of Jerusalem. The general over the region in Syria, Varus, had a legion in Jerusalem, and they found themselves besieged when the Jerusalem crowd swelled during the Pentecost festival that happened 50 days after Passover, and then another rebellion breaks out, one so strong that Varus feared for his entire legion. And as Varus was calling two other legions from Damascus, a rebel- and other rebellions break out, one in Galilee and another one near Jericho. 
The one in Galilee was led by Thaddeus. And it was this man who Gamil actually spoke of in Acts 5.36. Well, Varus shows up with two other legions, and the besiegers of Jerusalem fled, and he was ruthless. I mean, he was ruthless because he ended up crucifying 2,000 Jews along the roadways as examples. He burned villages, enslaved hundreds who even associated with the rebellion, and entire cities were decimated in this time. When Caesar Augustus hears about the chaos in Judea, he shrinks the inheritance he gives Archelaus, and he pretty much forces his will over these subject kings and these co-heirs of Herod's empire. After a while in Egypt, it was time for Joseph and Mary to go back to their homeland. Matthew 22:23. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. I think it was the Bible miniseries, or one of those many shows that showed crucifixions along the roadside. That's this timeline. The message was being sent by Rome, no more rebellions. Bethlehem was already shown to not be a safe place to raise a child. And this is life in this time period, instability, oppression. Luke 2, 39, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. So they moved back to Nazareth, which I think is a bit crazy, but it's what they did. And it ended up fulfilling prophecy. The movement to Nazareth put Joseph and Mary and Jesus in a strange place. Though it was a safe place, you know, strategically, you know, there was no wars going on in this little hilltop town, and it fulfilled prophecy, Jesus and Joseph and Mary, they were looked upon with disgrace. Remember, their neighbors didn't believe Joseph and Mary. They believed Jesus was conceived out of wedlock, which was a disgrace in society. In other words, their neighbors shunned them. Check out what it says in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53.1 He grew up like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Now this, you know, Isaiah 53, it, it in many ways speaks of the true redemption and what Jesus, you know, took upon himself at the cross, but there's implication here too of how he was rejected by society even when he was young. The childhood of Jesus wasn't perfect. His parents were as perfect as possible. You know, of course, Father God was always watching over him, and his angels were taking care of him. But society in so many ways rejected Jesus. Even early on, he was rejected by society. A rejection of society would be part of his life, but would never define who he was. For the opinion of man meant nothing to the Son of God. Even his brothers would not believe him. Society would reject him, and even his own brothers weren't found to be his disciples at the time of his ministry. Later, yes, 
but there is no talk of Jesus' brothers following him in his ministry until after his death. His life in so many ways was defined by suffering, a paradox of power and glory in the spirit, yet rejected by the powers that be, the religious structures and the society of the day. Let's conclude this episode with these powerful words from Luke 2.40. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Despite all the chaos in the land, despite the violence, the rebellion, the oppression, Jesus was protected. God's purposes were protected. God's glory was going to be released. And Jesus, like so many youth today, they're growing up in the purposes of God and the blessings of God. Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. You ever prayed that over your children or just anyone you disciple, that they should grow in the Lord filled with wisdom and the grace of God upon them. Let's do that right now. Let's do that right now over the audience. God, I pray that you protect the purposes of God despite of the chaos out there. And there's truly chaos like we've never seen in our lifetime. Lord, I pray your hand is upon us, that you keep and protect your people from violence and chaos and the lies of the enemy that your protection, your provision, and your blessing is upon us, that you bless your people like never before with wisdom, and the grace of God is upon us to share your love, your good news, and your grace to those around us. Hey, everyone. I want to make this post before the outro music comes on. Um, I know many of you have had issues with the Facebook page. Um, (laughs) Tell me about it. you know, please connect with me personally on Facebook if you're a listener out there. Um, here is the link, uh, facebook.com forward slash Brett, B-R-E-T-T dot Heaston, H-E-A-S-T-O-N dot three. Um, so that should be the link there. So connect with me personally, and then um, we'll make sure everyone um, gets everything posted and uh, we'll connect with everyone. So as always, thanks, everyone. Um, or to talk to you soon. A couple weeks, guys. Later.